everyone. <laughs> this is a full chapel. Uh, welcome everybody to chapel this morning. Our chapel this morning is entitled Worshiping Across Faith Traditions. Today we want to take the time to highlight some of the different faith backgrounds that students here have and to worship with them in those traditions. I want to start today by acknowledging two things. One, that I am a Christian and I am the one introducing this service. That's because the service is run by student ministry team and that's also because of thing number two I want to acknowledge, which is that only 5% of our student body identifies with a religion other than Christianity. Those who are an active practitioners of another religion are in an extremely significant minority on campus. Uh, I'll admit, when we first thought about doing some sort of interfaith chapel on campus, my main worry was that we wouldn't be able to find the students to do it. Students are busy, right? We have tests and doctor's appointments and meetings. Sometimes uh, we ignore our emails or don't read the communicator or we forget to reply. Life just happens and that's okay. I'm grateful for the two students who are going to help us this morning, but I don't blame those students of different faith backgrounds who aren't up here. I really don't. I want to make that clear. It shouldn't be your job to teach an entire college about your religion. That doesn't mean that we should ignore every religion other than Christianity or the people that follow them. I already gave you that 5% number. 5% of the student body identifies with a religion other than Christianity. I've met a lot of you just from my work with student ministry team or as a TA for engaging the Bible. I've met Muslim and Jewish students, Hindus and Buddhists, students who practice witchcraft or those from native spiritual traditions. I've talked with atheists and agnostics, people who believe in the divine and those who do not and all those still unsure of where they fall. I've met people who have grown up in one faith tradition and converted to another, people who identify with two traditions at the same time, or some mix of many faiths. A statistic like 5% cannot possibly capture all of that. Nor can a single chapel. We cannot represent all of those many, many backgrounds and perspectives and beliefs about faith in the divine this morning that are present across campus. But we have made an honest effort to begin that process. This morning, we will hear uh, from two different students about various beliefs and practices. Uh, I will begin the service by reading an English translation of the Kaddish, a traditional Jewish prayer. Then we will hear from Ronit Gaswami, an exercise science major here on his own journey with Hinduism and Christianity. After, we will listen to the 2017 GC Choir perform the song Zikr, written by musician A.R. Rahman, a practitioner of Sufi Islam. Then, junior Olivia Martin will speak about performing a rain-cleansing ritual as part of her own practices of witchcraft and nature worship. Parts of today's service may feel uncomfortable or unfamiliar to those who have grown up surrounded by only one faith tradition. It's okay to feel uncomfortable here. It's okay to feel weird. Uh, I just would encourage you to take the time to sit with that feeling, to explore what it means. 
Remember that as we gather today, we are gathered in community together. So as you feel comfortable, please join me in prayer or meditation or reflection or silence. <laughs> Magnified and sanctified is the great name of God throughout the world, which was created according to divine will. May the rule of peace be established speedily in our time unto us and unto the entire household of Israel. And let us say amen. May God's great name be praised throughout all eternity, glorified and celebrated, lauded and praised, acclaimed and honored, extolled and exalted, ever be the name of thy Holy One, far beyond all song and psalm, beyond all hymns of glory which mortals can offer. And let us say amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven with life's goodness for us and for all thy people, Israel. And let us say amen. May the one who brings peace to the universe bring peace to us and to all the people of Israel. And let us say amen. As we embark on a spiritual journey, we all start from a place of origin. At birth, most of us are identified as a certain sex and a certain race, but we're often brought into communities of faith. Wherever we come from, our spirituality can be ignited from any of those things. Whether you grew up in a denomination like the many Catholics and Mennonites here in Goshen, Indiana, or with immigrant parents, you're likely to follow a spiritual journey that puts you at ease you see, a lot of people are content with a comfortable, relaxed, spiritual journey where they go through the motions, muster a generic essence of the religion they associate with, and the rest is history. But what I believe is that as you explore other faiths, you gain more knowledge, not just from a religious standpoint, but with an awareness of intersecting cultures and lifestyles. In order to make peace in the world we live in today, we are called to recognize the importance of understanding, exploring, and respecting other religious perspectives. Many of us are put into situations that have an immense amount of pressures. In sports, we see players who not only face pressure, but are able to deliver while under pressure. Like LeBron James in the 2016 NBA Finals, and Tom Brady in Super Bowl 55, just to name a couple. And although we're not actually in the same situations as those athletes, we are still faced with decisions that impact our lives. So what do we do when we are under pressure? How do we deal with respecting and appreciating different religious traditions, especially ones outside of our own? You see, growing up, I thought at first that everything was out of my own hand. My faith was already determined by my parents. I was an immigrant from Bangladesh, one of the poorest countries, in the world, my family was Hindu, a religion that makes up only 9% of Bangladesh's minority religions, while Islam being the majority. And my parents always emphasized the importance of holding on to my culture, my heritage, and never forgetting where I came from. As I walked through the streets of New York City, latching onto my mother's side, I realized that America was a foreign land to me. My mind was like a sponge, absorbing every little thing that came my way. 
I started becoming more and more American and adapting an accent that was sure to be recognizable from any region of the United States and learning the culture day by day from the politics to the media to the language. But the biggest cultural shock I discovered was the fact that my religious journey had just begun. When was the last time you visited a denomination other than your own to experience worship? When was the last time you truly sought to understand the religious perspective of someone different than your own? At the age of nine, I was first introduced to Christianity from a fairly conservative standpoint. A good friend of mine invited me to a youth group with him, and several months went by, and I became heavily invested in this Baptist church in northern Indiana. You see, I was enticed by the gift of salvation and the idea that you didn't just have to be a good person to get into heaven. In fact, it even felt simpler than Hinduism. You see, Christianity is centered around just one God, the Almighty Creator, Jehovah, Yahweh. But on the other hand, Hinduism holds a belief of infinite manifestations of one God, resulting in idols of gods and goddesses. My parents grew fearful of losing of me losing interest in their religion, but embraced my faith explorations as a sacrifice that is made by many first-generation immigrants. I'm grateful for the rich religious heritage I grew up with and knew that will always be a part of me. My parents let me go to church twice a week, allowed me to volunteer with the church congregation, and even sent me to a Christian school during my middle school and high school years. But little did I know that this was where it all changes. My transitional years at Bethany Christian High School were my biggest exposure to what the world is truly like. After my sophomore year of high school, I went to Grenada, a country in the Caribbean, with my church congregation. During my two-week journey, we held a vacation Bible school uh, for kids on the island. And although it was a tourist island country, the economy was still developing, and they went through many hardships. I didn't realize it at first, but this out-of-country experience felt fake in a way. We were spreading the word of God to those who haven't received it, but we were in a tropical country where English was the primary language. If anything, the heat was probably the only uncomfortable thing, but there wasn't anything that really took me outside my comfort zone. The unoriginal gospel track handouts, the pampering by the hotel staff, the endless devotionals, it didn't feel like the only thing that can keep me connected to God. I wanted the impoverished kids to know more. I wanted them to know more than just the creation story, more than just the death of Jesus Christ, more than that. You see, if we want to create peace in this world, we have to recognize the sensitivity of different cultures. No individual would like a different faith shoved in their face, but rather showing the similarities and differences can make one more open-minded. But it had me thinking, how can I teach something that I have very little knowledge of? I felt that being comfortable and being at ease, like I said before, wasn't an option, which led me to my next journey of faith. After my junior year of uh, high school, I was able to be a part of Goshen College's first ever study service theology term, which was led uh, by Keith Graber Miller. We went to Guatemala, and during this trip, we explored the country, but we took a difficult college-accredited course called Jesus and Vocation. Now, this course made me think about more what I wanted to be in the world, uh, and more importantly, what has God called me to be? 
I felt more connected with God, and I knew that I wanted to be a helper and ultimately attend a Christian college to further my growth in faith. For many of us, we grow up with a single religion, a single faith, or a single belief that has embodied who we are spiritually today. But at times, we have to realize that our lives and spiritualities can be enriched through learning other religious traditions. That's why we have pros and cons, whether it's making a financial decision or literally moving from one place to another, we tend to look at the pros and cons. So what are the pros and cons of interfaith exploration? One of the more known cons would be the concept of regression. You see, change is inevitable, especially in a world that is constantly changing. Some of us are more comfortable with change than others, but it's important to remember that change is okay. Exploring the ins and outs of different religious beliefs doesn't help just one faith, but it can help establish the understanding of others' comprehension of faith. In our day and age, we're living in a melting pot of different cultures. We're free to worship whatever religion we want, a true staple of the United States. And because of this, we can see the variety of cultures that are represented. With the diversity of our nation, we are called to be respectful of others' religious uh, backgrounds. That's why when we look into, different, into what different faiths have to offer, we have a better interpretation of perspectives. On the other hand, we look at how one faith may feel stronger than others. There could be a sentimental feeling toward one religion over the other, but it's important to remember that we are to be a good in this world, no matter what your religious background is. I don't really know where I stand in my faith. Actually, I don't know if I'm Christian, Hindu, spiritual, but not religious. And for those of you who are in the same place as I am, I want to tell you that it's okay. What I found throughout my own in-faith journey is that exploring other faiths helps one expand their mind and even provides hospitality. We all may think we're born to one spiritual path, but learning what other religions have to offer can be a true game changer. Today, I stand as an omnist, meaning that I recognize and respect all religions, and I find truth in all of them. And though I have grown up rooted in Christ, I still appreciate and value my Hindu upbringing. Learning to appreciate and value different religious traditions can create peace, no matter where you are. You see, peace starts with acceptance of one another, which may become discomforting. Regardless, it's important to remember that you shouldn't impose your own beliefs and your own faith on others, but find a middle ground and look at people from different faiths as people, not categories or religions. We live in a very diverse world with a clash of religious views throughout all borders. You see, not everyone we meet in America is Christian, and not every inter student, international student on this campus uh, practices a faith that is native to their own country, and not everyone you meet has the same idea of peace in their minds. It should be a necessity to understand that our views of faith are bound to be different, but we should strive to be as open-minded as possible in order to make peace in our world. Throughout my personal experience, from Hinduism to a conservative Christian tradition to a more progressive Christian denomination, I've learned that integration is key for interfaith exploration and can help sustain 
people's views. I hope many of you can understand that it is okay to explore what the world has to offer with spirituality and with your own faith. It is okay to be curious and learn from outside of your own spiritual path because in a way you're embarking on a sacred journey which doesn't have just one destination. Thank you. Um, the piece that we're going to be listening to now is entitled Zikr, um, and it was arranged by A.R. Rahman. Rahman is a pract practitioner of Sufi Islam, the Western name for uh, Islamic mysticism. Zikr, or the remembrance of Allah, is one of the key practices of Sufism. The piece we will be listening to is sung by the 2017 GC Men's Choir, which has been renamed to Vox Profundi.
nervous. Hi. Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Liv, and today I'm going to tell you about rain cleansing. Lots of people practice rain cleansing, uh, but it's not inherently religious or connected to any one culture. Some people use it that way, but it's more about your relationship with yourself than your connection to a deity or community. The fun thing about a rain cleanse is that it can be pretty much anything you want. If you want to go stone cold simple, just go outside when it rains. Once you're outside, you can lay down or splash in puddles or whatever you want to do, as long as you let yourself get soaked. I usually end up doing that because in my hometown, the showers don't last that long or they happen really early in the morning and I miss them. But when I get the chance, I like to do a specific ritual for a deeper cleanse. I use a picnic blanket, a labradorite palm stone for intuition, and a small piece of bloodstone for protection. I lay down with a labradorite in my left hand and the bloodstone under my tongue. Sometimes I also cover my eyes with a hand towel because raindrops can bruise your eyelids if they fall hard enough. Believe me, it's happened. <laughs> As the rain falls, you have to let go of a lot of stuff. I like to start off with the easy things, like if I had a rude customer at work that day. They might have said something unfair to me, but dwelling on it takes up my energy and makes me unhappy. So I let myself feel my irritation and then let it go. I feel it come to the surface and feel the rain wash it away. That energy doesn't serve me, so I give it back to the earth where it can be recycled into something useful. No matter what it becomes, it's not my problem anymore. Then I dig into the harder stuff. Maybe I fought with my mom and I said something I didn't mean, and I do that a lot. And we already made up, but I still feel really guilty. But that guilt isn't going to keep me from fighting with her. It's just me punishing myself for actions that I can't take back. If I learn something useful from the argument, I can keep that wisdom. But I let the guilt rise and wash away. Sometimes I can't let go of everything I want to part with, but that's okay. Sometimes you just have to let things be for a while. The last part is tough, and it's kind of weird, so stay with me. Uh, I relax completely into the ground, and I let my essence extend into the earth. If you think of metaphysical energy like blood, it's like I'm weaving my veins into the root systems under me. Everything else falls away, and I'm completely present in the moment because all of my energy is flowing through the earth. I can't describe how it feels, partially because at that moment, I don't have to feel. I only have to be, and that's the only thing I have to do. When I'm done, my energy comes back to me, and it's fresh and clean, and I can use it without untangling it from some other task first. So right now, even though it's not raining, and you're inside, and you're not laying down, take a second. Use this space. Ignore whatever's fighting for your attention. And just put down everything that you're carrying. Even small things get really heavy if you hold them for too long. And big problems might feel a little lighter if you take just one minute where you don't have to care about them. You can always pick them back up, but if you do, at least you'll know that you can put them down. We appreciate you coming out to listen to us share with you today, and thank you so much.